0: As a person who deal with mental health issues, and when we bit mislabel, when we say things are, are uh, people are OCD, and that's that's a real diagnosis. And OCD is more than someone who likes to wash their hands all the time. <laughs> and then and then being bipolar is more than a person changing their mind. I I am I am ill, and so what I challenge myself to do. Because it affects me. It bothers me that I have to, I have to be a voice. That's, that's the season that I'm in now.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Sound Bombing. I created this show for people who want to experience a radical, life changing journey through the sounds of my diverse guests. I hope that each sound you hear on this show will strengthen your faith, encourage your dreams, and challenge you to awaken the greatness within you. Drop the bomb. Yeah. Drop the bomb. This the bomb. is a journey into sound A journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension, new values, and a new experience Ladies and gentlemen, the star of the show <laughs>
0: Lamar Darnell
1: Shields Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever the time of the day it is, you're at the right place, you at the right place at the right time with the right person. Welcome to my show. I'm your head man, Doctor Lamar Darnell Shields, in the building. Yes, I am in the building, and is always excited that you decide to hang out with me today. I am the creator of Sound Bombing, and my goal with this show is to introduce you to people with ideas that will help you unlock your full potential. This show is about exposing you, introducing you to people who are doing some amazing, amazing things. And we've had some amazing guests on this show. And today is no different. If you don't know by now, and you should know because I'm always recommending them, what am I talking about? Books. I love books. Me gustan libros mucho. I love books because they can take you to distant, wonderful places and open up your minds and our minds to whole new concepts. Books introduce new ideas in an entertaining and sometimes comforting way. I love using them in many of my talks and my workshops. Books can be helpful from issues ranging from feeling upset about having to move because your parents said you have to move, having to go to a different school, having to sit next to someone that you don't like, having to deal with divorce, and then also having to cope with anxiety and anger. I've also learned from many of the books that I've read and many of the children I've come in contact with, including my own, that it is normal for kids to feel sad, grouchy, or even in a bad, funky mood. But when sad or moods last longer than a day, a week, and sometimes month, you need to find support for your children. Therapy is a great thing to do, as well as some great books. And there are some amazing books out there that are supporting children and all the challenges. But what I do know, when children see themselves reflective them in books, And when they see themselves reflective not only just the image, but the things that people are going through, they enjoy them even more. My next guest knows a whole lot about education and a whole lot about writing books. She has dedicated her entire career to education. Now she's taken on a new passion for teaching and learning and engaging and talking and moving and have fun with her new book, Living Gabby, Brighter Days Ahead. This beautifully written and amazingly illustrated book tackles mental illness and how two young cousins cope with their loved one's depression. Who am I talking about who's written this amazing book all the way from the great state of Georgia? Put your hands together. Delta Sigma Theta in the building. I want to introduce my friend, LaMonica Hill. LaMonica, welcome to Sound Bombing.
0: Hello, hello, hello. I am so excited to be here today with you guys.
1: So it is an honor for you to hang out with me. Now, I got to give a little history. I met this sister in Savannah, Georgia. I was speaking at a conference, and she was just all professional and all cool and doing her thing. But she became another person when we started to play some games, when we were playing from Taboo and all these other... All those degrees went out the building and I saw the passion come alive. And I can only imagine seeing you in the classroom being a school leader now writing this book. So it is an honor, you know, and you've been on fire before we even dive deep. I just need to just congratulate you for hitting numero uno, the num- the new number one new release uh, in children's fiction, social situation, number five on better, se- better bestseller list from the same category i'm sure there's some other award so i just want to give you your flowers right now coming out the gate knocking thank it out so welcome you. to <laughs> so how does it fit let my listeners know where you are i know you in you in work mode as well but let them know where you are and just give us a little background of who you are before we dive into this book
0: so hello everyone again i am here i am your georgia peach here from south georgia I am um, located where I work now is like maybe 30 minutes from what's known as like the peach capital. Like, of course, we're we're the peach capital, but where most of our peaches are produced is like 30 minutes from where I work. And so like we take children um, to field trips to take peaches and all types of things. So I am a true southern girl a georgia peach and so i am here in southwest georgia where everything is hot and sweet so here i I love am.
1: that she said hot be real clear hot and and sweet so we met in savannah georgia and the there was an immediate attraction of energy loving our children loving all the people that were around us let let my listeners know how that conference was that was your first time coming to the conference and it's not going to be your last time because we are speaking this into existence. She is going to be a facilitator, not just because I'm a helper get through. I'm not going to do anything amazing. You already doing it. I'm just going to make my suggestions, but let my listeners know what that conference was like for you.
0: Oh my goodness. It was my first, like you said, it was my first conference at the national youth risk and advocacy conference. So it was my first experience with, just like-minded individuals, really talking about the topics for students who are for what we call at risk or maybe different because even the term at risk, um, they're different. And we have to be able to reach all learners, all scholars in whatever, whatever they need, that's what we are. That's what educators should be. And so I was just, I was so empowered by meeting like so many people and everyone same focus same come and go black white yellow green red blue donkey elephant everyone and so let me be real clear there were no
1: donkeys in my workshop okay go ahead (laughs) (laughs) there might have been some people that act like donkeys but they were not in my workshop (laughs) so
0: so it, it, it was just it was just empowering it was i i had I've been to several conferences, national, but it is the feel. You know how you can feel the energy. And, um, for me, I feel like I'm a person who can discern things and it was just a genuineness and authenticity of, of just the place. Because when I, as I'm looking, I'm a people watcher too. So I'm looking and I can see the people having connections. Like I'm a newbie. I was a newbie, but I can see the longing and the lasting relationships that people have built by coming to this conference. It's like we're, it's a family reunion, so to speak. And then we start uh, expanding our family, so to speak. And so I feel honored and privileged to be extended the opportunity to be a part of the family.
1: Yeah. You brought a great youthful energy uh, to the space. Every year, there's always some new people there. I, I always say it's a family affair. They allow me and my other team to create games and other opportunities because we have such a stressful job. You know, I tell people being a teacher, being a social worker, uh, you know, and being a parent, they sort of all in line with one another. So I appreciate you for hanging out with us and and just being so cool, the games that we played. And I know our kids don't think we have lives outside of that. So we do enjoy ourselves at the conference. So then when the conference was ending, I'm about to put you out there. (laughs) I see LaMonica downstairs, everyone. It was almost like a camp. It was almost like a summer camp. You know, everyone's leaving, they're hugging, some people flying. We actually drove to Florida, which I would never do again to speak at another conference. And I look over, she's always she was always fly. And I look down and I see LaMonica, who's in this, who's on the show now, signing some books. And I see this beautiful children's book that she's signing. I'm like, okay, well, maybe she's just giving the books away. And I looked at the author and I said, girl, I know that you did not write this book and we kicked it all week and you didn't share with us. And so I said to you there that I know that this book is going to expand. It's going to blow. I'm watching you. You on every like platform being sold in different places. Um, And so I'm excited for you because the time is right when it comes to writing these books. And I want to jump right in before we get into the subject matter of the book, which is we are we are honoring a mental health awareness month. This is the month of, of month of May. But I want to talk about the book bans. So you are very close to this guy who's about to run for president. You are in Georgia. We know Georgia almost imitates emulates what's happening in Florida, and we know that Ron DeSantis is banning books. And not only just him; I'm not even going to put it on him. It's other places in the, around the country that are banned in books in particular for people that look like us for people that are quote unquote different um before we get into the your subject matter of the book what are your thoughts about books being banned all of and it's not this is not new but we're seeing it at a rapid rate right now
0: so books but I, as an avid reader and as a person who wants to be exposed and we say education is the key. We say that reading it exposes us to all different walks of life and situations and topics. How can we then bend that, that creativity, that stifling of, of growing? Like, how do we stop knowledge? If knowledge is indeed power, then how are we going to stop knowledge that's gained through books? I I have a lot of strong feelings uh, about, (laughs) I have a lot of strong feelings about banning books because, you know, they're books. Choose not to. Why can we not, can we choose not to read them? Why must we ban them? Like, what, what are you saying? And then for me, it's like, so what's the, what's in that book that threatens you? Mm. that you don't want this knowledge exposed or you don't want this idea exposed. what is it in you then that you're afraid of unleashing
1: mm. so do so, you see it being more personal now that you are an author because quite often we have all these thoughts and opinions like so you know as a parent before I, before i had children i had all these thoughts and opinions because i was a teacher i knew kids but then people like boy you teach kids they go home but until you get your own children. But then when you are now in the same room and you're hearing stories about banning these books and throwing these books away, you know, why do you, why, why do you think someone would want to ban a book where you think that would be empowering to someone?
0: Because of that same reason, because it'll be empowering to someone. And once people read sometimes, they're empowered. And then if you don't understand and know what that empowerment would do of, of, on a group of people, then you're afraid. You're afraid of the, of the unknown, because if if two or three people are gathered together, they start having the same ideas. And if I read and you read and then I'm exposing you to this and then we start having conversations, then now I'm afraid because these people are empowered. And so I don't want to to disrupt the status quo. Like we, we like the status quo. We like our, this is how we've always done it. And if this is the knowledge and we're not going to expose these things. So when you start exposing things, you start empowering people. Then we, we have to make some changes because now people know and everything is not how it seems to be because now we're researching and we have other avenues and I'm going to cross reference that with this. And I'm gonna get this from this country. And what about the lost book? What? What? What are they not telling us? And we continue to dig and search, and we're empowered. And now we want to do something. And now we have other people that's following us. And so now the masses, the majority, they're afraid of that, because then the power has the opportunity to change hands.
1: So I, speaking of empowerment, you made a decision. To step out to write a book about something that in our community, when I see our community, I'm talking about people of color, quite often don't have those conversations. We tend to shy away. And then you use it in a way where you engage young people. Let's talk about your book. What was the inspiration for this book, writing your uh, book about Liv and Gabby? What was the inspiration?
0: So there's there's, a, there's many layers to the reason why I um, wrote Live and Gabby. So we'll start primarily with I am a person who has dealt with um, mental health issues and situations and crisis even. And so at one point, it, it's a reflection of, of some things that I've been through. And so that's there, that part. And then it's the part of I have friends and family members even having experienced some big, heavy things and not having an outlet or a way to explain to their children. They couldn't explain why mommy's sad and can't get out of bed. They didn't have the words or the tools or the resources or even the, the wherewithal to even start that conversation in the midst of dealing um, with something um, like depression or anxiety or other mental health illnesses that we don't talk about a lot. And so being able to provide a tool for that and then has my own therapy. And so I am a person who believes I I am an advocate and I believe in mental health and, and helping yourself. And so I have a therapist. And as we are, as we were talking and as I'm going through the process of writing, we decided that this could also be part of my therapy, even writing these thoughts and feelings down and and learning how to feel things, because I'm a person who like, just, oh, oh, I'll just push it aside. It's okay. I'll deal with it. It's later. And so actually, as I'm going through the process, actually going through and feeling the feeling again, and, and what does that mean? And how does it make me feel? And why do I feel that way? And so it was therapeutic in that way. And me being able to, to actually talk to people more about it, it, it's, it's, it's been therapeutic. It's been part of the work that I do.
1: So you, you jump right into that. I was going to ask you, how was this therapeutic for you? Cause it can also be re-traumatization because again, you have, you're going to live this whole story again. It's like going to a movie and really watching your life play out on screen. How were you able to balance that? Even though you're writing this book, and particularly writing it for a, another group of people, but I always think we're writing it for ourselves and we just decide to sort of share it. What what mechanisms or what tools that you that you put in place while you're writing this book for yourself, really writing it out loud for other people can actually hear it? So I want to hear some of the tools that you use throughout this process. Because I know when I was writing my book, what I learned in the midst of chaos, I had to relive a lot of those things. You know, best friend being killed, you know, and I I have a therapist as well. Uh, talking about those things and not thinking about like, you know, I'm gonna just write this stuff down. I'm like, and then I had to interview some people like I had to, I had to hear their story. So then I'm taking on their stuff. And I think quite often in our work, you as a school leader, now you're a speaker and author, and you engage in one another, people think that we're somewhat immune from this stuff. S- you know, Simone Biles, we know what she says. It's okay not to be okay. When she was about to, the biggest event in her life, And she said, I'm shutting this thing down. So let's talk about the tools that you use to keep you sane while you are writing this book.
0: And so I have a village. I have an entire village that surrounds me. Like, so I, w- I want to start with with my village. And so some those, those are who are included um, in my village, my mother is included in my village. Uh, my psychiatrist is included <laughs> in my village. as as well as um, two therapists that serve two different purposes um, for my life. Um, One more of a coach and one of a therapist as we work through different strategies. And then I have a close network of friends. And then I have a partner um, that supports me through, through my book, through, through practically everything that I I do and being able to have these people in my life um, to support me just not just with this book but with my mental health challenges and then I had a team outside of my village I had a team of people to help me produce the book I had a writing coach I had my illustrator I had um my publisher and we would get in on zoom and we would talk talk things through because there was times uh this took about two and a half years so there was times that I was complete. Completely silent because it, it, it touched, it hit too close to home and touching too close to home and then dealing with your own mental health issues. It, it, it was drawn out. And so during that time, I could hear my published, my, um, my, um, my publisher saying, Hey, La Monica, keep, just keep pressing, keep going through it because it's a purpose in all of this. This mm-hmm. is so much bigger than this. And so she's like, I know you want to write the book. I know you want to get the book out there, but I want you to start thinking differently. She was the first person to really say, let's start thinking differently. More than just, I want to write a book. What's the purpose behind it? Because of the things that you're dealing with and coping with, it has to be some purpose behind the pain. And so this is so much bigger than the book. And it had me to to go back within myself to think, okay. Is this my passion? Is this my mission? Is this this is is this why I'm um at this place in life? Like, is this my Achilles heel? This is my thing. This mental health thing is my thing. and It is my thing because I'm supposed to help guide other people through it. And so as I started to think about all of those things and things, other things start happening in my life, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is the thing. This is what I was put on earth
1: to do. I love the thing. Just just, you know, Dr. Wayne Dyer says that it's something amazing when when you get a hold of uh, when you get a hold of an idea. But he said it's something beyond beyond amazing when that idea gets a hold of you. When you're in the bed and you're thinking about living Gabby, when you bathing you're thinking about living when you see children that look like them. That's the inspiration that we're connected to. And one of the things that you that I'm going to add when it came to me, because you talked about is this my passion? But then the ego. Like some people, I want to write because the ego, because I have a story. And someone told me ego means to edge God out. Like, am I writing for my ego or am I writing because I want to heal myself? And I also want to heal other people because a lot of times we damage other people when people when when people make bombs and when when the bombs go off. If you notice when they when they when the bombs go off. It's a person that's right near the bomb, they get hit, but they put all this shrapnel in it, and they say, well, like, 700 people were also hit by nails and rocks, and that's what tends to happen to us when we're not taking care of ourselves. It's not just the person that's close to, it, it's all of these other people. And so for those people that are out there that want to be an author like you and be an author like the two of us, put, remove your ego out of the way and ask yourself one, because when I was working with Marina on my book, she was like, "Well, who would want to read your story?" And I'm like, who wouldn't want to read my story? What do you mean who wants to read? Like, who is going to buy? Like, what do you mean people who's going to buy my? So all of that, I had to remove that, e- the ego and then say, why am I writing this? It's bigger than me. Yeah. Will the book move yeah. without my name on it? Think about that. Like if LaMonica Hill's name was not on it, would it stand on its own? Would Dr. Maya Angelou, if her name was not on it, Tony and if Lanky, if their name... And so I think that that's important—the fact that you just said. Not only just going through all the stuff that you had to be, be reminded of, but then also the ego. Like I'm, my, I'm, I'm watching you on the news. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing you on the news and in the paper and all. And again, your ego can, you, you know, can get so big, your head gets so big, that you tend to forget. And I, that happens a lot with artists because we're in that realm now. We think so much more of ourselves, and we forget. This book is really about changing lives, really getting people to look at themselves in a different way. And so to say that you had a team, I think is important. It, since you mentioned this team, is that, is, is that the reason that you chose two individuals instead of one? Because it could have been just live and not Gabby. It could have been Gabby and just live. You know, why did you choose two people um, to, be, uh, to be the main characters in this story? Why not just live rolling by herself or Gabby by herself? <laughs>
0: Oh, you, you're you good at this asking of the questions thing because I don't think like, because in my mind, I rehearsed all the things that I was going to say and all the things that I'm going to, that I want to share. Yeah. And so since you asked the question in a different manner, I I feel inclined to share. So why is it living and Gabby? And so, like I said, it's pieces of my life. It's not, this is the story through living Gabby for Lamonta. There's some things that I've experienced through life and so i want to tell you in your audience why live and gabby why two cousins why not two sisters so i can remember um i i promised i was like seven eight nine i'm an only child Mm -hmm. and so i had a cousin who uh was raised as the only childish. um Mm -hmm. she was the only child in the household and so she was the only child i was the only child and so i wanted to play with her right and so I love going to my cousin's house to play. And sometimes when I would go over to my cousin's house to play, um, my my aunt, her mom would uh have these these episodes. I know there are episodes now as an adult, but as I as an eight-year-old child, oh, well, she's acting weird and she's yelling and screaming. And so my cousin would literally say, hey, let's go get in the closet. Okay, this is my older cousin. She said, let's go get in the closet. Guess what? We're going to go get in the closet. And so we did that. It wasn't until I was an adult, I mean, well until adulthood that I found out and realized that those times, those periods where we have to get under the bed, hide and things that she was actually experiencing a mental health crisis.
1: So her way of dealing with what her mom was going through was, was to hide to then take you in the space to almost make it like a game. Like let's yep. just go, let's just go hide then my coping mechanisms to sort of get away from that, also to protect you, but then also to protect herself. Yes, and so yes. in your eight year old vocabulary, you trying to make sense out of this and you just see it as a game. But then as you get older, and I think that's the beautiful part about stories and storytelling. Because as I look at some of the things that took place in my family when I was younger, I make fun of it now. But I realized, like, I don't think that was supposed to happen. I don't really think that that's supposed to happen to me. I don't think that was supposed to happen to my cousins or my sisters. And as you got older and you start to process this. So is Liv and Gabby you and your cousin? So
0: it's based off me and my cousin. And then this is the thing that was the mind-blowing thing. And that's why I said it is, it's bigger than me. It's about our community. And like you said, when we say our community, we're talking about black people, brown people who don't talk about this. It wasn't until I was an adult that I actually knew that she had a mental illness. No one ever said anything.
1: And so how so did I you find out? Up. How did you find my out?
0: My mother and I was having a conversation um, as I was dealing with some of my own issues. Of my, mo- my mother and I was having a conversation and um, I was telling her I want to write this book and it's going to be about two cousins, all of this stuff. And so she was like, why? I was like, because remember when I was a kid and I would go over to their house and she's like, you remember that? Uh, yeah, I was there and it was very vivid. She's like, why didn't you ever tell me? And I said, "Honestly." Because I was scared if I told you, then you wouldn't let me go over there anymore, and I couldn't play, so I didn't tell you. I said I wasn't being harmed. Why?
1: Not why is pregnant. it always the why is it always the family members where the house is like out of control that we love the most? I don't know if that's your experience because I have cousins. The house was out of control, but I was like, I'm not telling my mom because I, I get a chance to come back. You're not
0: going to there, so I getting harm to hurt so. I have to hide in the closet every now and then, get under the bed and be quiet every now and then, but we can have fun. So yeah, I'm not telling you, you may mess up my fun. So she was, and so we start talking through some things and then, and and so you knew everybody. So why didn't we talk about this? Why is it been a thing that everyone in the family knew, but we didn't talk about it? And in my opinion, I felt like, and I feel like, my family is very progressive. I thought that we talked about things. You know, we have interracial relationships. We can, can be and do whatever we want to. We can have whatever sexuality that we want to, but we can't talk about what's going on in our minds. Like, I, I, it, 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 it blew me. Like, I was blown that as progressive as I thought that my family was, that there's still things that we didn't talk about.
1: So, why do you think they chose not to deal with that? Like you mentioned interracial relationships, you mentioned around gender, sexuality. Why do you think your family and families that look like us refuse to have that conversation?
0: Sometimes I believe that we just gonna pray it out, we gonna Jesus it out. And honey, I love Jesus and I and I have a therapist, too. Uh, I love Jesus. I believe in prayer and healing. And I may have to take a pill or two, too. Mm. So uh, I think we're going to pray it away. Or I think it's, it's just like, oh, she just act like that or she just crazy. Or, and I don't even know what crazy means. Because and so
1: how do you feel about those words? Because I'm always, oh. I'm always chal- challenging my children because, you know, my work is around diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I'm always challenging, not only my children, but other people, because those are the words we use. Like, oh, you know, she's just crazy. My mother would say she's just touched or, you know, those words mean a whole lot. And so let's unpack words because your book is full of words. What are your thoughts about when people use words like, oh, you know, she's just crazy. She's just special. You know, how do we what are your thoughts about that? And then how do we sort of shift that language to to help people come up with what the, it is?
0: I I cringe. I, I, I find myself cringing often, often as a person, again, as a person who deal with mental health issues. And when we mislabel, when we say things are, are uh, people are OCD and that's that's a real diagnosis and OCD. Is more than someone who likes to wash their hands all the time. <laughs> and, then, and then being bipolar is more than a person changing their mind i i am I am ill. And so what I challenge myself to do, because it affects me, it bothers me that I have to I have to be a voice that's that's the season that I'm in now. Like being my true authentic self, whatever that may be. And whoever accepts me, accepts me. But being that voice, we can't I don't I don't want you to use that language um with me. Like, is that oh, she's being bipolar. Oh, does she have a medical diagnosis of um bipolar? Is it bipolar one or bipolar two? And people are like, wait, what? Well, you're taking that too serious. No, you said that she was bipolar, did you know? Because Mm -hmm. that's my way, uh that's my way of not just saying you're you're being insistent. It's like, so you know this is a medical diagnosis, like. Did they tell you this? Oh, no, I wasn't meaning it like that. I said, but you have to understand. And then it becomes an education. piece.
1: So we also hearing a lot about this young people sort of misdiagnosing themselves. So they go to they don't even go to Dr. M.D. They go to Dr. Google or they go to BuzzFeed. Um, And of course, I have children and I work with young people all day. Are you concerned that young people are misdiagnosing themselves? And then how is your book helping to, quote unquote, maybe shift the conversation around mental health?
0: Not only do I think that they're misdiagnosing, they're overly diagnosing. Mm -hmm. If I would, no, like really, if I, I could have a lot of things because I can go into the little manual book um i don't even know what edition we're on at this point
1: the dsm four five six seven eight nine ten yeah, i don't
0: know which one what number we're on yet i mean think um, about
1: homosexuality was like a di- i'm like what you look at some of yeah, the stuff yeah, like, like yeah and these are some old basically some old be real close some old white men that was coming up with some stuff that many yes. of them was dealing with themselves but they wanted to put it on some that's the conversation yeah, so that people is. don't want to have but let's keep going and going but, yeah, but we
0: don't keep <laughs> so yeah if, i mean like literally you can have anything like you can so it's not even misdiagnosing, it's overdiagnosing. And again, I go back to education. And so it's my mission to to educate educate, equip, and empower people. And so we have to educate them. But in order for us to educate people, we have to have people who are educated enough to have the conversation. We should have people in our schools. Uh, I'm very thankful that I work at a school that we actually have a mental health counselor. In addition to our school counselor, we have a mental health counselor that takes patients that actually does counseling on site, um, even to the point that we actually have an outside source as well, because her caseload is huge. <laughs> and so we can do those things here. And so we're educating our kids that it's okay to talk to the little white lady because that's all we have right now, okay. Um especially because that's a whole different thing when you're looking for i'm an advocate for uh for mental health and awareness and getting therapy and talking to someone but sometimes you have to have who you have because one thing another thing about um our population is we don't have a lot of professionals in the mental health field because we've grown up not talking about it and we just don't pray about it and so that's not a real problem so why you want to go be a therapist I mean, but those are conversations that we have. No,
1: it's so funny because I was talking to a group of kids who, you know, every kid thinks they're therapists. People come to me and talk about the issue. Like just because if you talk a lot, you're going to become a lawyer, that whole thing. (laughs) And kids tell me like, listen, I don't even want to deal with my own stuff, Mr. Shields. So let alone me dealing with somebody else. But I am concerned about just the lack of that. But that's a whole nother conversation that we can talk on forever. But I want to talk Lib and Gabby. I want to talk their story. You know, what should my listeners expect when they open up this beautiful book? What should they expect from these characters? And then what do you want people to walk away with when they read this book?
0: OK, so when you open up Live and Gabby, you're going to before you before you read any word on any page of that book, you are going to see the beautiful illustrations by my illustrator, Calvin Reynolds. He is I'm not saying just because he's my illustrator, but oh, my gosh, like sometimes, like you said, check your ego. Sometimes it's like it doesn't even matter that I wrote the book because I have rave reviews about the illustrations um, that the illustrations are absolutely beautiful. And that's it's
1: so why- interesting. So I want to just jump in because when I wrote my first children's book, the first day of school, the words are powerful. But man, when those images were connected to the word like that's when it made sense like it's like watching a video you know vi- videos took music to a whole nother level because we're such visual people everybody not just black and we're visual people so i'm so glad that you shouted out your illustrator you talked about the beautiful colors and things and that but keep going i just wanted want to just so jump in
0: that's what you're gonna see i mean i'm i, I, I maybe a little biased but oh my gosh the, the pictures are amazing and he he was able to put the pictures to my words, and so that that's let's talk
1: about in. let's talk about that relationship because quite often and i know he's not here i'm glad you mentioned his name but let's talk about that relationship when it comes to the writer and the illustrator what type of work did you have to do in order for that to work and there what type go. of work did he have to do in order for let this me, to work
0: let me, let, can we be transparent is this <laughs> a place <laughs> <to> be
1: honest <laughs> this <laughs> is this is it
0: tell you uh because you have i did um one of okay this is an, this is an aside mm-hmm. so on um, one of uh my friends from college him and his daughter did a book review on live and gabby and it can be found on my website and we'll talk about the website but you can see the book review and she's seven she's adorable but the way that she described uh my book i was like man who wrote that book i want to <laughs> I want to read that book. I was like, "Oh, it's my book." But um, she said in her review, she's like, "The author and the illustrator had to have worked so closely together." And in all actuality, we really did not. Wow. It was a it was a God thing, a a kindred spirit, a Zen thing. He's been in the industry um, sixteen or so years, thing, and just have experience. I don't know, but it worked. We had I we had about three conversations. Three. We had about three. I mean, and three may be pushing and We I really only can recall two, but I would love to say that we had three conversations, mm-hmm. and it was literally only through like me writing and emailing, and then again, there's a lost period of time that I was just going through. Um, I would not write. I would not communicate with my team because again, I'm dealing with my own mental health issues. And the closer that it came to releasing the book, it's like the heart of my challenges were. And so I went through a a very, I I, I went through a silent period. And so um, because um, of my notes, and because of um, my writing coach and, and us having conversations before all of this, they knew my vision. They knew what I wanted. And I, I can, I'm pretty detailed. And so that, that's what we went by.
1: That's
0: what we uh, went with.
1: I and love it.
0: Worked. It worked.
1: I love I love that. So when we open up book. We would notice the beautiful illustrations. Let's talk about the story without giving the book away because we want you to purchase the book. Let's talk a little bit about the story and how you develop each character.
0: So Liv and Gabby, as you know, they're cousins, they're first cousins, um, something that you wouldn't know by reading the book. They're two sisters' um, daughters. And so they're first cousins. They're really close. And they just uh, start noticing some differences in one of the parents. And they start to explore that. And then as kids are, guess what? They start asking questions. And unlike adults, Kids don't care who I'm gonna ask because they're naturally curious. Something's gone wrong. Something's different than how things are usually working. Why? What's going on? What's happening? And so, guess what? They they start that conversation with that parent and ask those hard questions. And what, as an author, what I did was I I had to build a safe place for those girls to ask the questions and that parent to be able to be open enough to answer those.
1: Yeah, you bring up a good point. Building, creating a safe space where children are comfortable and also parents. We have to understand the vocabulary. We don't have to get too technical about mental health or mental illness, but using it in their language. Now, speaking of safe space, what has been the response, not from the community yet. I want to go back to your cousin and maybe your aunt. So any family members who know what's going on, what has been their response from this book and then I want to hear the response from uh, all the other people in the community. I did also see the review of the young of the brother and his daughter, but talk to me about your cousin whose house you used to go over. How did she react to the book? And then how did how the larger community reacting?
0: You know, it's funny as you say, like my family, they're proud of me. Yay, we love the book. But you know, we really had we really haven't had like discussions around you wrote a book. Around mental health. I am so glad that we're bringing this up. It's still like a thing. That's not a thing, but it's a thing. But mm-hmm. you wrote about the thing. We're proud of you. You're an author. That's a hard topic.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad that you, speaking of a hard topic, I wanna I want to talk to you about, not only we just talked about the process, but I want to talk about since writing this book, what have you learned about mental health that you might, might have not known as it relates you know, to maybe young people as well?
0: You know how you know things like you. I know that mental health is a thing. I know that people deal with mental health um, and mental health issues. But, man, it has been such a communication starter. Are you Oh, you wrote a book. What is your book about? And as you know, even there at the conference, I really didn't talk about the book because, you know, I'm still trying to get into this. I'm an author now. And so during that time when we met, I mean, the book hadn't been out a month at that time. And so I'm still getting used to being called an author. And so but as I'm talking to people and this is a, a start of a, of a conversation, you, people start sharing their stories with you. And that's the part where I realized this, this is not about me. This is so much bigger than me. And my book is creating a safe space. It's a soft, it's a soft start. Oh, well, my child has depression. I mean, I've had parents come up to me and say, man, like my, my child has depression. I can read this to my child. I could, I, I, I I wish I, I had this earlier and it's, it's humbling. Because of the taboo, because of the stigma, it's humbling for someone to share out with me. And you know, I was like, "Oh, okay, that's interesting." So I'm getting used to people just being vulnerable, their vulnerable selves to me. Because sometimes, like, "Oh, that's a lot of information from a stranger." (laughs) Yeah, people.
1: Once you once you turn that spigot on, that water is going to flow. Now, will there be a series? Uh, What happens with Living Gabby next?
0: Okay, so this is a series. This is a series of three. And so this is book one, Um, dealing of, in book one, we talk about, we call it what it is. And that's the other thing. Name it what it is. We are dealing with depression. We're not, we're not, oh, mommy, it's just bad. No, this is depression. This is what it is. And like I said, and on my team, I I allowed my psychiatrist, who is a medical doctor, to look through it. And he gave me rave reviews. It is in the office of the practice.
1: Why okay. did you feel why do you feel that's important? I'm gonna talk about a historical piece with that. Why do you feel that it was important to have your own therapist or I mean psychologist to actually look at this book?
0: I need um a lot of folks because because of who I am naturally, I am not gonna put out a product that is inaccurate. And I need the, I needed the support of someone who knows me at a different level and as a professional mm. like when i'm putting out i'm putting myself out there but i also am an educator and an academic and so whatever i put out there is going to be accurate and so i wanted to make sure i was depicting accurate information
1: and the reason why i'm I'm so glad that you chose to do that and listeners we're talking to author la monica hill and i'm hoping that you're taking everything as she said Dr. Bill Cosby. Now we go. We're not getting into the, the issues that he had, the challenges, because I don't want anybody to taint his good work. What Dr. Cosby did on the Cosby Show, and you may may not know this, there was had never been done before. Dr. Cosby hired Dr. Alvin Poussin. If you look at the Cosby Show of producers, you you know you see all these names: Warner, Carsi, But there's a guy named Dr. Alvin, Alvin Alvin Poussin, black sociologist, one of the dopest dudes around. Dr. Cosby hired him to to study these characters, to study their professions, to study the images on the wall, the music that they played. And of course, in my young self watching that, I didn't get it, but it made sense because he knew that he was about to put a Black family on TV in the 80s, in the 90s, and he wanted to make sure that every image, the things La monica that we don't really e- even pay attention to, but our subconscious mind is picking up on the colors of Living Gabby, how they're engaging one another. And so the fact that you just decide to go that way is very important. And any writer that's out there, not only do you just want to have, you know, friends and family look at it, but if there's some people, if you're dealing with a serious issue like, like mental health, it could be eating disorders, it could be violence, it could be a variety of different things. Having someone who Understands that world from a clinical standpoint, but also make it tangible for young people. You're gonna get a, you're gonna have a win win, and that's why your book is doing extremely well because having those people in those professions who who see this on a day to day basis, then having someone like you who are living this blow on a day like like this is who I am. This is my life. Like I'm not writing about somebody. I'm writing about me, and I'm gonna give him or her a different name. Says a lot a lot about you. How can my listeners get a copy of your book? How could they work with you if they want to write their own book? And how could they get in contact with your illustrator as well?
0: Okay, so um, first of all, you can go to The Helping Heal, um, H-E-A-L Heal, not I-L-L. I-L-L is my last name, but H-E-A-L because we're healing ourselves. Mm. And so the helpingheal.com is my website. And so all of the information about my business and living, in Gabby and being able to contact me is on the helpingheal.com. And, and so that's a great way to reach out to me, ask me any questions. I'm an open book on the pages that I want to open. And so, um, so reach out to me, ask me questions. I love to share information, um, come out to be a guest speaker, be on panels, any and everything. I am open because again, this is way beyond me. And so whatever I can do to do my part, to help um, reach out to me, you can buy the book on amazon.com, actually anywhere that books are sold um, type deal. If you're going to buy in bulk, please contact me as um, you'll have a special discount um, for book orders. But yeah, visit the website and Listen, you'll have all my information.
1: You all better buy these books before they try to ban these books. Because again, you're talking about mental health, you're talking about empowering Children of color, believe me, get them while they're hot. LaMonica Hill, you cannot leave. The second part of the show is called the Super Bomb Questions, and they're very different from the first part. So this time I'm going to ask you a question and you need to respond as quickly as possible without any commentary or side conversations. I know you ready because we done played a couple of games like this in, in Georgia together. Okay. So you ready?
0: Okay, I'm ready.
1: Here we go. What's your favorite word? Go. What's your favorite quote, lyric to a song or a Bible verse?
0: I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me.
1: What's your superpower?
0: Empathy. What's your spirit animal? Elephant.
1: What moves you to tears of joy?
0: Being understood.
1: What moves you to tears of sorrow?
0: Misunderstanding.
1: What do you wish you had more time to do? Study. What advice
0: are you glad you ignored? You can't do that.
1: What's your favorite sound?
0: The ocean waves.
1: Mine too, my girl, La Monica Hill. The Author of Living Gabby Brighter Days Ahead. Go out and pick up the book. She is everywhere where every books where books are being sold. La Monica, thanks for hanging out with me in the bomb shelter today. I wish you nothing but success.
0: Thank you. And it's been a pleasure.
1: And I want to thank Supremacy for our theme music. And I want to thank all of you for listening. I know you love what you heard. You might not love me, but I know you love what LaMonica said. Hit that subscribe button and then leave a comment. Stop being stingy. You can share me with all your friends because I'm on every platform. If you want to know more about me, go to drlds.com. And it's always believed that something wonderful is about to happen. And that some people missed the message because they're too busy looking for the mess, but not you because you have been listening to sound bomb. Leave a comment. Take care. Peace.